0: The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Today we're going to get into the body of Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians. We spent quite a bit of time Introducing this epistle, giving the history of how Paul came to Thessalonica, and what his strategy of missions was, and how some of those lessons apply to us today. But now we get into Paul's epistle, which begins by saying, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it continues by saying, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. And thus it continues on. We'll come back to it in a moment. And we will actually take an overview of chapter 1 today. It is a short chapter, only 10 verses, but it is loaded. And we're going to take an overview today and then come back and spend time going through the details more carefully in the broadcast to come. Now I can say that this epistle begins in the usual manner, all of Paul's epistles begin with a salutation that sounds very similar to the one that we have here. There are some variations in the exact wordings, the exact phrases, but the same basic components are found in all of Paul's salutations that identify the author, identify the recipients, and include a customary greeting to those recipients. And so Paul starts the epistle in the usual manner, but then it takes a rather unusual turn, it seems to me. And we shall look at that after I welcome you to this Thursday, February 22 edition of the Beacon Broadcast. And thank you for joining us today. We're glad to have you as our listener And thank you for considering our financial needs and considering the possibility of helping us to maintain this broadcast on this station. Okay, the customary salutation is verse 1 that I just read. Paul follows the usual format that formal letters followed in his day. So he identifies the author, first of all, himself as Paul, which was his Greek name, and he's writing to Gentiles, writing to Greeks. He doesn't much use his Hebrew name anymore. It will come up occasionally in situations where he is interacting with Jews. His Hebrew name, of course, was Saul, but his Greek name was Paul, and that's what he gives. And then he also adds Silvanus, which is a long form of Silas, and Timothy, a young convert that he picked up on his second missionary journey, one who was saved, no doubt, on Paul's first missionary journey, but Paul wasn't aware of that, apparently, or maybe not. Maybe he wasn't saved then. Maybe the gospel was planted, and others in the church preached the gospel, and young Timothy was saved. But Silas and Timothy are both present with Paul in Corinth when he writes this letter to Thessalonica. And both of these men were well-known to the Thessalonian church because they were part of the missionary team that traveled with Paul when he came to Thessalonica. So the author, we see him identified here. We see the recipients, namely the Church of the Thessalonians. Church, ecclesia, an assembly of called-out ones in the city of Thessalonica. And he describes the church as being in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This church is in God the Father in contrast with pagan assemblies. He calls them the ecclesia. That word could be translated simply assembly. And there would be many assemblies in Thessalonica, most of which would be pagan assemblies, worshiping false gods. But Paul says the assembly I'm writing to is the assembly that comes together in terms of god the father and the lord jesus christ and that second identifying factor would contrast this group with jewish assemblies because the synagogue that paul started the ministry in in thessalonica did not receive jesus the message that jesus is their messiah and so they ejected paul from the synagogue and he went elsewhere and started a church and they continued worshiping their traditional understanding of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But having rejected God's Messiah, Jesus Christ, they really weren't worshiping the one true God that they thought they were worshiping. But Paul says, I'm writing to that assembly that is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he greets them in the customary way, grace and Peace. Grace was a similar to a word that was a customary greeting of that day that simply meant rejoice. Peace was the word, the Greek word, that corresponded to the Hebrew word shalom that was very, very well, certainly customarily used among Jews and was also used sometimes by others as well, even as it is today. But all of this endued with Christian content. Grace rather than rejoice, he changed it just slightly because he's talking about God's unmerited favor, and peace, spiritual favor and prosperity and well-being, which come only in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. But then after giving a common form of salutation, he gives what I would call a customized giving of thanks in verses 2 and 3. The greeting, the salutation, I read that again, verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, and God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and then now this, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith labor of love, and patriots of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. What is this customized giving of thanks? The giving of thanks was actually a customary part of, of letters, epistles, that were written in that day. And in Non-Christian letters would generally be thanks given to a pagan deity, usually pretty short and perfunctory rather than heartfelt because there really wasn't any heart change, heartfeltedness in the worship of pagan deities. But Paul takes this customary giving of thanks and customizes it with Christian content. It is thanks that is directed to the Christian God. We give thanks to God, the God of verse 1, the God God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we give thanks to this God. And he says we do it always without ceasing, always in verse 2, without ceasing in verse 3, which sounds like Paul prayed for them pretty regularly. When it says always, it doesn't mean 24-7. He was praying for them and doing nothing else. Without ceasing doesn't mean that either. It means, I pray for you often. I pray for you regularly. I don't quit. Sometimes someone will ask us to pray for them, and we say we will. We need to take that seriously and be sure that we do. If we promise someone that we're going to pray for them, it would actually be a sin for us to fail to do so, don't you think? I've been convicted of that from time to time. If someone asks me to pray for them, I do my best to make sure that I pray for them. I write it down. I carry it to my daily prayer time, my my major time of prayer that's in a certain schedule on my daily agenda, and I fulfill that promise to pray for them at that time. But I must confess that I don't necessarily continue to pray for them. If God brings them back to mind, I may pray for them the next day, and the next day, and so forth, because many times these are needs that God does bring back to mind. But it's also obvious that some prayer requests get made and hopefully prayed for, if we said we would, we should, to be people of integrity, but then quickly forgotten. But that's not the way Paul prayed for the Thessalonians. We give thanks to God for you always, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and so forth. Yes, Paul prayed regularly, faithfully, consistently, and perseveringly for the church in Thessalonica. It was very close to his heart. I think it's clear from other language and other parts of the Bible and other, uh, other parts of the New Testament and other epistles that he wrote to other churches that Paul actually prayed for all of his churches this way. Churches that were founded by the labors of the Apostle Paul had a special place in his heart. They had a special claim upon his prayers, and Paul evidently had a prayer list Nothing wrong with that, to keep him on track, praying for the churches of Galatia, praying for the church of Philippi, praying for the church of Corinth, praying for the church of the Ephesians, praying for the church of Colossae, and so forth and so on. And Paul prayed for each of these. But you know, if you're going through a list and say, I'm going to pray for this church, If you founded that church, you know people in the church, then even though in one sense you pray for each church on your list in a similar way, every church has different people, different circumstances, different needs, and so that becomes specific requests that apply to that church uh, in a special way. And that keeps Paul praying (laughs) in a regular way. It sounds like Paul had a prayer list. It sounds like Paul had a regular pattern of prayer in order to be able to do what he says he does here and praying for them and others. I remember uh, a, a member of our church from many years ago who's now with the Lord, who showed me one time his prayer lists. And he had a different list for every day of the week, and he had a special prayer time for each day. And he faithfully prayed through those seven separate lists that he had constructed carefully every week, and then went back and did it over again the week after and the week after. And he was a praying man, and when people realized what a prayer warrior he was, they wanted to get on his list, or lists. That wasn't a bad thing for him to keep lists like that. Paul apparently had lists like that. Paul prayed in a regular way. And Paul had an effective ministry, no doubt because it was undergirded by serious, believing, persistent prayer. And maybe the reason why some of our efforts in serving the Lord aren't as effective as we would like them to be is because we are neglecting the place of regular, fervent prayer. Could that be? Let's think about it. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying, Good day. May God give you His eternal peace.